Mesdames et messieurs, I know what you want, cried the young man to the passing pedestrians on the Paris streets. You want to watch me eat an entire snake whole! No, oh god, no, we don't want this! Here goes! Later in hospital, the young man rested, having been prescribed an intense course of laxatives to purge the dark things happening in his intestines and colon. The house surgeon, a Monsieur Giraud, came by to check on him. Well, here's what we've found in you so far, he said. A snake. Hmm. A collection of wine corks. Stones. A basket of apples, both the apples and the actual basket. And then just beef. Oh, so, so much beef. I don't understand how you were able to eat all of this without dying, but the good news is you will make a full recovery. Oh, thank God, said the man. But look, I don't have much in the way of what you call money, but if you want, as payment for saving my life, I shall do for you something very special. I will eat your watch. Well... To this, the doctor could only say, no thank you. You're listening to Something True, stories from the footnotes of history, written by Duncan Fife and read by Alex Corbett Ashby. This week's episode... Larm X. The young man was known only as Terer, and his tragedy was that he was born in 1772, far too soon for anyone to understand him. Terer was hungry. Terer was hungry all the time. Even as a boy in a village near Lyon, his appetite was out of control. He'd look at what his parents put on the dinner table and say, Why do you torture me with a child's portion? This is seriously insufficient for my needs. Terere could eat his entire body weight in any meat you cared to name and still cry, More! 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 He would wolf down anything, didn't even have to be food, and yet he was always quite a slender boy. No one could explain him, and unfortunately, no one could afford him either. When he was a teenager, his parents kicked him out of the house. All Terer could think to do was capitalize on his medical abnormality. He became a street performer and traveled all over France in the hope that people would pay money to watch him eat strange food in vast quantities. But his timing wasn't great. The tastes of the French public back then ran more towards doing the revolution than paying a teen to eat hammers. And after his line of work put him in the hospital, Terer decided to seek more secure and less degrading employment. He joined the army. How many other choices did he have? It was 1792, and France had just declared war on the Austrian Habsburgs. Very soon, Terer and his fellow soldiers were plunged into direct combat, defending France's borders at the River Rhine from the Prussian army. The stakes were high, but Terer had bigger problems. He figured that the army was the one place he wouldn't have to worry about where his next meal was coming from. The food was okay. But these rations, they weren't enough. 
Oh, why do you torture me with a child's portion? He'd complain in the mess hall. But the army cooks weren't having it. So Terere the soldier was constantly hungry and miserable. He scrounged and foraged for what he could and bartered and pleaded with his compatriots for just a little piece of their share. How can you eat all this food and stay so thin, Terere? They asked. <laughs> Jealous? He smirked, slurping a rat out of the gutter and into his gullet. It was weird and everyone noticed. Therese's lifestyle hadn't been sustainable at home in Lyon or on the streets of Paris, and it sure wasn't on the front lines. He was ordered to a military hospital at Soultzorin, where his condition would be studied and hopefully understood. Therese was examined by a Dr. Corville and the Baron Percy, the army's surgeon-in-chief. We're just going to run a few experiments, Percy told Therese. You are what we call une anomalie médicale which is French for a medical anomaly. Corville and Percy watched in disbelief as Therere ate 15 main courses in a single sitting, without demonstrating any physical exertion or even much emotion. He would eat snakes, lizards, and entire eels without blinking an eye. Okay, but will you eat this? Corville dared Therere, presenting him with a terrified cat. I guess, he said and ripped into it like it was a drumstick. They'd never seen anything like Terere. With each outrageous meal, his stomach distended and shrunk like rolling ocean waves in a storm. He didn't put on any weight, but unsurprisingly, he smelled terrible. After some time, Baron Percy had his conclusion. His condition is truly odd, Percy said to Corville, and little about it is clear to me except this. He is a very sick man. However, what disturbs me more than his sickness is the failure of both medicine and society to reckon with it. The fault lies with us. We have forced him to seek employment as a carnival freak, where he's made a figure of fun because we have afforded him no other choice. His present situation damns us all. He is a human being deserving of dignity, equality, Brotherhood. Now that he has come to us, it is our moral obligation as men of medicine and men of this earth to treat our brother and to help him with open arms and open hearts. Quite. I was thinking, Corville said, that we should turn him into a weapon. Percy, don't you see? Therese's strange talent, if properly weaponized, could win this war for us. Corville, no! That's really offensive! So Corville went over Percy's head to Alexandre de Beauharnais, the general-in-chief of the Army of the Rhine. Corville urged Beauharnais to look upon Therese as a great gift to the French army, for he could be moulded into the perfect spy. Think of it. The boy could eat secret messages, properly protected of course, and carry them over enemy lines completely undetected and then it would be just a small matter to retrieve them. The Prussians would never see it coming, and if they did, they'd be revolted. Ah, très bien, Beauharnais said, which was French for, let's see what this boy can eat. Corville ran a test. He asked if Therere wouldn't mind eating a wooden box with a message inside. Therere, of course, didn't mind eating anything. And when he excreted the box, the message was intact. Success! Beauharnais was thrilled and couldn't wait until all the commanders got a load of it. 
he arranged a demonstration for them in which Terere ate 14 kilograms of bull liver. General, they said, why have you made us watch a boy eat too much liver? Because this isn't a boy, Bornet smiled. This is your next super spy. <laughs> of course, now it makes perfect sense, they applauded. It's hard to know how Terere felt about his change of role. Once again, he was defined by his hunger. His vast appetite was beyond his control, and it followed him everywhere. On the other hand, at least he would be using his stomach for theoretically nobler purposes than eating the city's street vermin for the amusement of people who detested the sight of him. Therese's first assignment was to make contact with an important French colonel whom the Prussians had captured and were holding over the border in Neustadt. He was to enter enemy territory, disguised as a German peasant, find the colonel, and give him a secret message. Needless to say, said Beaunet, passing him a box, this message is of great military significance. Okay, said Therese, and ate it. He left the French camp dressed in peasant garb, without weapons. He crossed over into the German town of Landau, trying very hard not to draw attention to himself or the secrets in his stomach. As he passed through Landau, some German villagers gave him a cautious nod. Guten Tag. Bonjour! <gasps> I mean, um, what was the thing you just said? The people of Landau thought it pretty suspicious that this purported German peasant couldn't speak any German. They contacted the Prussian army, who captured Terere on the outskirts of town. The soldiers questioned Terere, who didn't say a thing. He had sensitive military intelligence in his small intestine. The fate of the nation was at stake here. The soldiers subjected him to a strip search, which of course turned up nothing. They beat and whipped the soles of his feet, but brave Terere still refused to speak. He was hauled off to prison, where he did his best to stay silent. But after a full 24 hours of torture and beatings, he gave in. I'll talk! I'll talk, he said in his deep shame. The soldiers brought him to the local general, a man called Zergli. Zergli stood over him with his arms crossed as Terere told his story. You see, I can eat a whole lot, like loads. So the French army made me eat a secret message and carry it here across enemy lines so that I could poo it out. Who the fuck do you think I am? Zergli raged. Do you think this is a joke? Lie to me one more time and I'll hang you myself. No, 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 I swear, begged Terere. The message is of great military significance. Alexandre de Beauharnais told me that himself. Oh, please, I know it's gross, but it'll be worth it, I promise. Zergli decided it was worth the chance. He had Terere chained to a toilet, and the men waited for the message to emerge. It took six hours, but eventually Terere produced a wooden box into the toilet bowl. He couldn't look as the Prussian soldiers handed it to General Zergli. I can't believe it, Zergli said. You really were telling the truth. Now, let's see what secrets you held. He opened the box and unfurled the paper inside. It read, This message is a test of our new spy system. Holler back if you get it. Holler back! Zergli screamed. Holler back! This is crap! This is nothing! He was livid. He had Terere thrown out on the street, 
just as the boy's own parents had done not so long ago. Torreira returned to the military hospital at Sulzo Rhin and found his old doctor, Baron Percy. Please help me, he said. Do something, anything. I can't live this way. Of course, Percy said. Of course, my brother. At Sulzo Rhin, Torreira submitted willingly to various experimental treatments by the Baron Percy. In the search for a cure to his insatiable hunger, Percy prescribed courses of vinegar. It didn't work. Laudanum didn't work. Soft-boiled eggs didn't work. Terere was still hungry. Terere was hungry all the time. So hungry that he would regularly sneak out of the hospital to scrounge anything he could from the city streets. Percy knew he did it, and he didn't like it. But when he had Terere confined to the hospital, things started to mysteriously disappear, including, at one point, a 14-month-old child, gone from the hospital without a trace. Your dude obviously ate that kid, the other doctors accused Percy. Percy broached the accusation with Terrell, who denied it absolutely. I did not eat a child! What do you all think of me? Jesus, I'm not a monster! Well, he says he didn't do it, Percy offered. Uh, pfft, what else could possibly have happened? This is literally the thing that he does. Do something about him, or we will. I swear I didn't do it! Terere pleaded. Doctor, you're my brother. You must believe me. I can't protect you this time, Terere, he cried. This world, it will never understand you. You'll have to run. You must run and never stop running. And so Terere ran from the hospital, pursued by its angry, wailing staff. He ran deeper and deeper into the pitch black of the French night, in whose shadows he hoped to one day finally find a place of safety. But he didn't. Terere died a few years later due to problems stemming from his poor diet. On the autopsy table, the doctors opened him up and found his bloated and confusing organs arranged as in a surrealist diorama, leaving poor Terere as much of a mystery to medical science in death as he was in life. These days, there's an old riddle we tell to amuse our children. What is always hungry, but never full? And now you know the answer. Terere. But if you're being asked under exam conditions, you should put down fire. That was Something True, a podcast on the Idle Thumbs Network. Written by Duncan Fife and read by Alex Corbett Ashby. Music credits can be found in the description and on our website at somethingtrue.net, where you'll also find a full transcript of this story. Follow us on Twitter at a true podcast, and join us again for the next episode, Christian and Christopher. Christopher.